This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. When you have to get your message out and make it effective, you need the Chambers Group, family-owned since 1990. We can handle all of your printing needs from direct mail, brochures, posters, and banners. If you can read it, we can print it. Free pickup and delivery, and everything's done on time and on budget. Contact Chambers Printing today and get 10% off your first order. Just email us at radio at chambersprinting.com. That's radio at chambersprinting.com. It's more than just printing. It's Chambers Printing. Voices of Faith takes time out to remember those Philadelphia police officers lost in the line of duty dating all the way back to the 1900s. Policeman Henry O'Donnell, July 4th, 1876. Policeman Frederick Weingart, July 23rd, 1917. Policeman Thomas McVeigh, July 28th, 1918. Policeman James Lambert, July 16, 1922. Detective Truman Swain, July 5th, 1924. Policeman Raymond Carey, July 13, 1931. Policeman Joseph Myers, July 7th, 1932. Policeman Charles Stockburger, July 14th, 1933. Officer Alphonse Bonavitacola, July 28th, 1934. Policeman Thomas McErlane, July 4th, 1935. If there is one truth I have learned to live by over the past 40 years in religious life, it can be found in the 20th century French Jesuit theologian and paleontologist Telhard de Chardin's observation. Nothing here below is profane for those who know how to see. That is, you can find God just about anywhere, if you're really looking. This is Brother James Butler, president of LaSalle College High School. And that truth was reinforced for me in the PIAA championship game that our baseball team played at Penn State on Friday, June 19th. Clearly, a 2-1 game was a pitcher's duel. While our starting pitcher didn't have that coveted fastball clocked in the 90s, he did have a changeup that the opposition couldn't adapt to, resulting in some strikeouts and a fair number of pop-ups that were not impossible to field. And as we live longer, don't we discover that God asks something similar of us? Over the years, he proves a formidable change-up pitcher. The speed at which life's challenges come at us is not always what we expect and prepare for. We must adapt, move up in the box, and resist the impulse to swing. Even when such proven techniques don't succeed, we must be confident that God is at work, that he will never abandon us. And believe me, when they had two men on base in the bottom of the seventh, with only one out and their most reliable hitter coming up, having such faith isn't just a matter of pious reflection. Our pitcher that evening pitched a complete game, as he did in the semifinals, for a 2-0 victory then. Many in the stands speculated that coach would switch pitchers in the later innings, or to begin the seventh, or after its first batter. But he didn't. He saw in our starting pitcher the nerve, the composure, 
the ability to deal with stress that more than compensated for a tired arm. And he was right. Perhaps that's the other lesson we can take away from this title game. God also has the confidence that we can go the distance. He won't require things from us just when we're fresh or in the zone. He knows that we will pitch some balls and maybe even hit a batter or two, but he never asks more of us than we can deliver if we dig down deep. And that's where we'll find him, where we'll discover as we look back that he was with us every step of the way in every pitch we threw. Jacob Media Partners invites you to spend an hour of your day celebrating your faith. We acquire a fundamental right that can never be taken away from us. The right to hope. In collaboration with the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley, including LaSalle University, First Trust Bank, and todayisagoodday.org. Learn from your leaders. Be inspired by your neighbors and find the power of grace in your life when you need it most. The Spiritual Voices of Faith begins right now. And welcome in, everyone, on another edition of Voices of Faith as I come to you, or we come to you, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Holiday weekend, Jimmy Brown, but Voices of Faith continues along the journey. What a great show we have lined up for the listening audience today. Yes, Joe. Uh, you know, I think uh, something especially exciting about this week's show, or this month's show, is the, uh, the, the connection to Manhattan. And um, some of our um, faithful people in the uh, in the Je- Jesuit realm of our um, of our Catholic faith. It's pretty interesting stuff. Also on the big show today, of course, your normal monthly sit down with Archbishop Nelson Perez. Again, a very meaningful, very powerful conversation. We'll do nine minutes uh, with Archbishop Perez coming up later on in the show. You know, Joe, I think that, uh, and we've talked about this before, that Archbishop Perez has a vision about the way he wants to communicate with the flock that just he's an extraordinary human being and i'm pretty excited about our subject matter there, uh, this afternoon with archbishop great Fred. show lined up for everybody here on voices of faith also dan selecki will be along with his inspirational moment we'll have that uh, coming up a little bit later on jimmy brown before we go to the break quick introduction for the listening audience about our very very special guest today well this afternoon uh, joe we're going to be talking with uh, father matt malone who is located in manhattan and um, runs a huge organization called america media we're going to dig in and learn a lot more about the specifics and power of that operation. Sounds good. Great stuff. Stand by, everybody. We'll take our first short break. This is Voices of Faith. Back in a moment. Thanks for listening to Voices of Faith, presented in part by LaSalle University, the Gibnish Funeral Homes, American Media, 6ABC, and First Trust Bank. American Media leads the conversation with a smart Catholic take on faith and culture. Founded and directed by the Jesuits, they provide in-depth news and analysis and spiritual resources across multiple media platforms and events. From church news, politics, and social justice to education, healthcare, arts, and culture, coverage spans the globe. More than a magazine or a website, it provides a forum for discussion among a community of people who believe in faith, hope, and love, both in the church and in our country. Visit AmericanMedia.org. The Catholic Foundation of Great 
Greater Philadelphia is your go-to resource for Catholic philanthropy, an independent nonprofit working to grow philanthropy according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. Their foundation is grounded in the principles of faith and service. CFGP meets the needs of donors and Catholic institutions by providing fund management and fundraising services that help secure bright futures for the Catholic ministries you care about. Find the best fit for your personal philanthropy. To learn more, visit thecfgp.org or call 215-587-5650. You've heard of the Police Athletic League, I'm sure. If not, visit phillypal.org. You'll be amazed at what you learn. Did you know PAL officers have been doing this for 73 years? Did you know that all PAL programs are fun, safe, and free and serve Philadelphia's youth, ages 6 to 18? Perhaps you didn't know that PAL works best after school and during summertime hours. Did you know? Visit phillypal.org. phillypal.org. Voices of Faith celebrates a real bright spot, Mother of Mercy House in Kensington. Inspired by Pope Francis's call to be a poor church for the poor, to take the church to the frontiers, and to move beyond our comfort zones, the ministry began with a simple desire to be the presence of Christ and the church. Many of the families they serve live in deep poverty. The homeless and addicted are at their doorstep. Their team works daily to meet people where they are in their lives. They feed the hungry, talk and pray with those who seek comfort, and celebrate Mass as a community. This summer, a highly specialized, family-centric summer camp program launched to serve the most vulnerable children in their neighborhood with an after-school program launching in September. They welcome your prayers and support in this effort. In a world full of noise, one beautiful thing remains constant. God's love, it's powerful, and lives at Mother of Mercy House. To learn more, volunteer, or make a donation, please visit motherofmercyhouse.org. That's motherofmercyhouse.org. And back here on Voices of Faith, you know, Jimmy Brown, as we come back to begin this segment, uh, the July, the reading of the officers uh, who uh, have given their life uh, in service, uh, continues on Voices of Faith. All of the names heard coming back out of the break and then a little bit later on in the show are officers going back all the way, as you heard, back to 1900 who lost their life in the line of duty. Well, it's interesting, Joe, um, as always, when we run our program there's a ton of feedback and people were fascinated by the names and the dates and just trying to identify with you know that human being that sacrificed his or her life in the line of duty there's a lot of great stuff going on in our community this is voices of faith on talk radio 1210 wphd Okay, so uh, we're going to turn over to our conversation with Father Matt Malone. Welcome, Matt, and thank you for making your, uh, yourself available to uh, to our listening audience here. Oh, it's Seattle. my pleasure. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Ken, for context purposes, um, you know, you've got a big job, big responsibility. Can you give me a little history on how you ended up in this seat? It's a pretty significant seat of leadership. Sure. Well, I, uh, I, I, I grew up, and my first love was politics. And uh, so when I got out of college, I went to the University of Massachusetts. I went to public school my whole life. When I got out of college, I went to work in politics in Massachusetts. And uh, I worked as a speechwriter for Congress for a while. And then I helped to start a think tank based in Boston that, um, uh, you know, that, that published research and also published a magazine. And it was really around that, that period that I began to own my faith as a... Uh, as an adult, you know, as a young man, uh, right. rather than something that I sort of did by rote and all the rest. So um, that attracted me to the Jesuits. When I got to the Jesuits, 
uh, at the age of 30, they said, well, since you worked in politics, you worked in, you're a writer and you worked in journalism, you know, we want to send you to America magazine, which has been around since 1909, published by the Jesuits of the United States. Um, I have to say, I had never heard of America until I became a Jesuit. And uh, so I came here as a novice. Then I spent three years studying philosophy at Fordham. They brought me back here as a regent uh, for, for, for two and a half years. Then I studied theology in London. And then at the end of that period, I was ordained by Cardinal Egan here in New York in 2012. And the Jesuits came to me and said, we want to skip a generation in the leadership of America because we think that there's a, there is an opportunity here to marry an older generation of Catholic writers and thinkers um, with a, a younger generation who are plugged in with digital media. And at 40, I was sort of smack dab in the middle of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And the, 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 the publication, frankly, the operation, which extends beyond print these days, you know, it, it, you, you, you guys enjoy a reputation of being a, lead, a, a leading provider of editorial content for thinking Catholics. Talk to me a little bit about that, that reputation you've earned. Sure. Well, as you can imagine, I mean, the Jesuit order in the United States, which has 28 colleges and universities and 50 some odd high schools and uh, in addition to our retreat houses and all the rest, you know, the, the, the people who have been uh, readers of America magazine for the last 112 years have been people who are, you know, well-educated, who are, who are uh, faithful Catholics and uh, active in their communities and have some affiliation with the Jesuits, right? And, um, and so that's, that's, the, that's the audience that we... That, that that we target mm-hmm. and that we speak to, mm-hmm. and the idea is to is to present them with a diversity of views within the broad spectrum of Catholic opinion. Right. right? So, I mean, our starting point is always the teaching of the Church. That's normative for us. Oh, um, but there's a lot of conversation that happens around that, and um, we want to be fearless about it. So, uh, and we rely on the, the the charity, the good faith, and the uh, intelligence and the education of our readers um, to, uh, to, ha- to have that conversation, to engage in it in, in a way that's, that's thoughtful and above all charitable. That's amazing. Um, you know, and, and talk, uh, talk a little bit about, go back for a minute here in our conversation regarding um, what it means to you to be a Jesuit priest. And maybe talk about the, you know, the, the six Jesuit values. Um, can you articulate that for our, uh, for our listening audience? Well, there's probably more than six. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, um, but I would say, I mean, for me, a, a, uh, and I mean, not just for me, for a lot of Jesuits, uh, but particularly in this role that I occupy, the, I, I go off of what John Courtney Murray, the late uh, mid-20th century uh, Jesuit thinker, um, once said a Jesuit is, and that is someone who stands at the intersection of the church and the world helping to explain the church to the world and the world to the church. Um, and that, that is really where I, I see um, uh, my ministry yes, and the ministry of America, yeah. which is right at that intersection, sort of overlooking the public square, um, helping, to, helping to explain one to the other. And, and as a part of that ministry, I, I find that the, the spirituality of... St. Ignatius is indispensable. No doubt. So, as you might imagine, when I was asked to take this job, I thought, well, gee, I just, 10 years ago, I left an organization that published a magazine, 
And I went through 10 years of formation, studied philosophy and theology, and became a Jesuit, and then a priest and all the rest. And they said, now we want you to go back to an organization that publishes a magazine. Wow. And so my first instinct was to say, I don't want to do that. That's what I left, right? right. And um, they said, no, we're not asking you to do this as a previous incarnation of yourself. Mm. We're asking you to do this in light of what you have learned and experienced in your, in, in your formation as a Jesuit, in your ordination as a priest. And, and that's where I really began to think of this work in ministerial terms. And, of course, all ministries of the church take, you know, participate in that one ministry of Jesus Christ, the one ministry that is a ministry of reconciliation, ultimately. That is, that is, that is who Jesus Christ is, reconciling heaven and earth. And so I thought, what is it that, a, that people in social communications can do right now to bring about reconciliation because we desperately need it. This is in this time of polarization, both within the church and without, what can we do? And so we made a commitment to bringing in a diversity of voices across our platforms and having those people speak to one another with intelligence and with charity. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, um, in terms of my understanding of some of these Jesuit values and you've talked about them. Um, but I want to dig in, you know, the, the ones that really strike me are, you know, the concept of discernment and finding God in all things and the, the concept of reflection, um, you know, and, and service that say rooted in justice and love. These are the things that I find incredibly appealing about the walk that you're making. Can you talk a little bit about, um, Finding all things in God, please. Yeah, absolutely. It is a um, fundamental Jesuit principle. It comes from something that's called the principle and foundation, which is the very beginning of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. St. Ignatius had this bedrock belief that to live a life of faith is to live in the knowledge that anything that happens, um, whether to the, to the world it seems good or bad, has within it the power, the potential of calling forth from us a deeper response to God and a deeper response to one another. And so in, in, in St. Ignatius's judgment, you, um, and in the spirituality of St. Ignatius, you, you cultivate a kind of indifference. It doesn't mean you don't care, but you cultivate a kind of indifference to events you know, to riches and, or to poverty, to, um, to, to life or death, to sickness or health, um, because you live with the certain faith that, that whatever occurs, God will be with you in it and that you will be able to find his grace active within it. Um, and that's what gives us then the courage and the freedom to make bold choices. It's interesting. I kind of note that as a detachment. In other words, you know, Sometimes I think something good happened or something bad happened. And the truth of the matter is, in that moment, we may not know, right? right? Um, folks lose their job and they say, oh, my goodness gracious, this is the worst thing ever. And then four years later, they discover, oh, my God, I love my new job. So so I, I just feel like it's interesting to me that your, your Jesuit walk, I think, has real practical application in our day-to-day lifestyle. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and how we relate to those things is changes over the course of a lifetime. I'm, I'm, uh, I lost my mom when I was a kid, and you know, I mean, obviously, I've always related to that as a terrible experience. But as I've become, you know, a middle-aged man, um, I realize also what it's taught me, what how the grace of God worked through that experience over the years of my life, and 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 brought me closer to God and to others. 
Right, and and just uh, just to spend a moment on the passing of a mother um, at an early age, um, you know, uh, it, it 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 puts you in a place where you're thinking about things that normally, you know, a young. How old were you in your? I was ten. Yeah, that's a that's a tough that's a tough paper route, and um, to be able to walk through that, and then I think at least I'll speak for myself in this capacity. I believe you're going to meet your mother again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And right. it goes right to the concept of, um, I think, what we're trying to discuss often on Voices of Faith. I want to talk about another dynamic of the Jesuit walk that's just striking to me, the concept of striving for excellence, right? right. And there's a lot of type A people in our listening audience and just in life in general. Um but I love the concept of striving for excellence, not perfection, no. but excellence. So can you talk to us a little yeah, bit? Yeah, and it's expressed in this idea of magis, you know, which is that Latin word for more. And more, people yeah. tend to think that it just means doing more. But what it really means is, is, is asking ourselves, what's the unasked question here? What is the unmet need here? How can we not only meet you know, the, the goals that the world gives us and, and, and the, the, the duties that the that the, the Lord calls us to fulfill, but how can we take that extra step um, to be an agent that of God's grace, to add a measure of grace to the world um, beyond the sort of way in which we sort of define success in earthly terms. And, and Ignatius was always focused on that. And it's in, it's, it's baked into the Jesuit way of proceeding. And it, it's why there are 28 universities in this country that are sponsored by the Jesuits. And it's why we have these high schools and it's why we've been at this work on, you know, five continents for, 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 for centuries, because, um, that invitation, that invitation to follow Christ, um, to not just to the furthest point of the earth, but to that place beyond that, that you can, you can't even imagine, but God himself reveals to you through your discernment that is right there in the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius, which every Jesuit goes through at least twice in his life. The power of grace. Back in a moment. The Catholic Foundation of Greater Philadelphia is your resource for Catholic philanthropy. As our foundation continues to grow, we're always welcoming new ministries into our CFGP community and creating new charitable funds to support them. One of our most cherished charitable funds is the Ministry Support Fund. Created in collaboration with Archbishop Perez, the Ministry Support Fund awards grants to vital organizations and programs within the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Most recently, the Ministry Support Fund awarded grants that allowed the Young Catholic Professionals Organization to begin a chapter here in Philadelphia. This fund has also supported the Culture Project, helping them bring their commitment to formation, prayer, and service to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia within parishes, schools, and religious education programs. None of these grants would be possible without your support of our funds. To donate to the Ministry Support Fund, visit www.thecfgp.org slash ministry support fund. There's never been a bigger need for Philly Food Rescue. Their mission is to eliminate hunger in our community through a technology-based volunteer network. They rescue surplus food from partners like grocery stores and restaurants and deliver it to people in need. The Philly Food Rescue app makes it easy for everyday food rescue heroes to pick up food and deliver it to nonprofits, schools, and more. Each month, thousands of pounds of unused food are rescued and given to the hungry. Learn more at phillyfoodrescue.org. 
And back here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Of course, Jimmy Brown, we shout out to all of our uh, listeners tuning in and listening to what is a spectacular show. Uh, On that note, I'll toss it back to you, sir. Yes, well, we're deeply engaged with Father Matt Malone, just to remind our listeners, um, who is uh, uh, running an operation out of Manhattan that is spectacular America media um, uh, this organization is um, creating conversation asking questions that I think are relevant and um, that's why we're sitting with Father Matt this afternoon um, Father Matt just to jump back into our conversation and not to be too heavy so can you give us uh, your best memory of um, of being here at the operation from day one until today give me a, a great memory that you have one particular day uh, in your journey here well, I think it would be the day that um, we became the first uh, journal in the English-speaking world to publish uh, an interview with the Pope. Wow. With, with Pope Francis. Wow. Um, and, you know, we, we sort of had this idea that we might try to interview the Pope, and then we found out that our Jesuit colleagues in Rome were also considering that. So we sort of pooled our resources and approached the Holy Father and asked whether he would sit down in conversation. And now, of course, this seems very common because he does it all the time. Right. But he had, this had never been done before. Wow. And, um, and Francis said yes. So, you know, Father Spadaro, our colleague in Rome, went and met with the Pope and they, they spoke for hours. And then Father Spadaro wrote up the interview and, uh, we, we received it in Italian, sent it out to be translated into English. And I remember it was 8.15 p.m. And I was sitting at my desk in my office when I first read the translation of it. And I realized that we, now, that we had a pope who was creating an entirely new genre of papal communications. He was speaking to us as our brother and as our father. Mm. And... All, so many of the themes of this papacy that we have heard, discernment, accompaniment, um, walking with others, the field hospital, the church has a field hospital, the mercy, above all mercy, they're all in, there, in that interview. And I finished reading it. I put it down on my desk and I cried. Wow. Because I thought, this man is the, is the pope for our moment. Well, it's interesting. Um, we had the, the papal visit. Um, give us a reflection on um, the papal visit in New York, and I'll share a little something. Yeah, about sure. That. Yeah. Um, the this, I mean, I I called the Jesuits and and told them that I wanted to apply to become a Jesuit on the day that the Spotlight series broke in the Boston Globe about the Church and the sexual abuse crisis. Mm. And so from the very day that I first called the vocation office, um, I, like the rest of the church in this country, have lived with that reality. And I think sometimes it, it, we weren't always aware of, of how, it, how, it, how it hung above us mm-hmm. and, you know, um, and, and hung heavy on our hearts. And when the Pope was here in New York, I was walking across Central Park and there were thousands, tens of thousands of Catholics, all smiling, all cheering. They saw my collar and they would yell, hey, Father. They would come up and hug me. And, and the Pope hadn't even arrived yet. Mm. And I was like, that is what the Vicar of Christ is meant to do, to bring right. that kind of joy. And I couldn't imagine a church that needed it more 
than the American church at that moment would have been through so much. Right. It was so wonderful to see the church celebrating. Yeah. In this yeah. country. Yeah. And I would tell you that the, we had a very similar experience in Philadelphia. Yeah. It was outrageously, um, wonderful celebratory. Um, yeah. And you mentioned some things in, in, in the history of our church that create tension, let's say. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I admire about American media is that, uh, from my standpoint, I'm reading, listening, hearing conversations that, um, try to find the balance between adversity, crit- criticism, and growth. Uh, talk a little bit about having the hard questions put on the table f- so that dialogue can occur and possible resolution. Yeah. Well, we were talking about, we were talking a little bit before the show, and um, you and I both identify this question of who is Jesus Christ? Amen. That is absolutely central to our faith. And if you answer that que- question the way that Peter answers it, St. Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and you believe that this is his church. Right. Um, that faith is precisely what gives us the freedom as a church, that bedrock faith to have a conversation about difficult stuff. Right. Right. Because no matter what else happens, we are united to one another in that faith and that, that and, and sacramentally through our baptism. Right. And so, I've always thought that a, you know, an intellectual apostolate of the church like America ought to be characterized by a robust conversation, you know, that we ought to be unafraid. I mean, um, it's fear that's the opposite of faith, right? To be, ought to be unafraid to, 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 to talk about things and, and, and difficult things. You know, we just had in, in, in America just within the last month, we had uh, one bishop uh, who wrote a piece for us about his approach to communion and politicians who take positions that are at odds with Catholic teaching, and another bishop who wrote about how he takes a different approach to that. And they're both bishops, and they're both in communion with, with Peter, uh, with Francis. And I thought that it was a great uh, achievement, both, for, I mean, for them as, as our leaders, and for America to, to showcase that conversation. Because at the end of the day, we don't fail because we disagree. We fail because we fail to love. Right, right. You know, it's really funny. I'm, I'm gonna guess that you're familiar with, you know, Abraham Lincoln becomes the president and frankly, he invites the opposition in to be part of his yeah. inner circle, his cabinet. And, you know, there's a famous book written uh, around that concept called Team of Rivals. Right. And virtu- by virtue of that, uh, that conversation, um, terrific things happen, excellent things happen, but not perfect. Father Matt, can you make a comment for me about this statement? Is it, uh, it feels unrealistic that all of our Catholics would see everything the same way. So talk a little bit about that, the, 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 the size of our church and of right. course the diversity that we experience, not only in terms of our skin color, but our thought process. Right. This is, I think, the central question at our, of our conversation um, as a church in this country, and that is, what do we mean when we say the church? All right? Because sometimes people only mean the bishops. Sometimes people only mean the laity. Sometimes people only mean the United States. Sometimes only people unthinkingly only mean the Northeastern United States, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, the church is a reality that is uh, spread across you know, every continent, um, and it in, and it inhabits every part of human life, right? 
It is the only institution other than the synagogue that survived the fall of the Roman Empire. Mm. Right? And, it, and yet in its immense diversity, it is, um, uh, it is one, right? And by the promises of the Holy Spirit, the promises of Jesus himself, and through the agency of the, the office of Peter, that ought to reassure us Right, that no matter um, what happens, not only like Saint Ignatius does it have um, the power of calling forth from us a deeper response to God and to one another, but whatever happens, um, we're probably still going to be here at the end of the day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we have the promises of the Lord Himself, um, but also we have this history, and this history of being one in precisely in that diversity, and so it is always the case that we disagree. Peter and Paul disagreed. It's there from the beginning. Yes, it's interesting. Um, um, Joe and I arrived a little early um, today, and so we spent uh, a quiet moment at um, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And what I noted in my visit was the diversity of just human beings in that building. Wow, young, old, um, male, female, you name it, it was there. I love that place as a a, a quiet place to um, reflect and be alone. Where do you find that solace? Do you have a spot that you, yeah. Yeah, I also find it at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I, I actually go there to, um, uh, I hear confessions there uh, once a week, uh, which is a ministry that I love, and it's nearby our headquarters here in New York. And the funny thing about it is you would not think that that's a quiet place. It's in the middle of midtown Manhattan, right? Amen. <laughs> and yet yeah. the quiet that we're talking about there doesn't have a lot to do with sound. We're talking about a quiet quietness within ourselves, the quiet of the soul listening for the Holy Spirit. Right? When we walked out and of I the, do find that there. It's interesting, Matt, when we walked out of the the building, my dear friend and partner Joe Kraus just turned to me and said, Wow, that was amazing. As if we just, you know, spent four hours at the Super Bowl. Right. right. But it's it's just a brilliant thing. Hey, just to give uh, um, a little color context, um, talk a little bit about you interviewed the Pope, but just a snippet of of um, of names. I I saw that I think in this studio, Stephen Colbert was your first. Uh, your, yes. Yeah, yeah. He was our first guest in the studio when we opened our new headquarters. Yeah. Um, we have interviewed and and or published uh, over the last 10 years. Um, the. Uh, Vice President Biden, when he was sitting vice president, uh, the um, every uh, papal nuncio to the U.S. Um, the uh, we had um, John Kerry was the first sitting Secretary of State to author author a piece for America. We just had Prince Albert, the Catholic sovereign of Monaco, <laughs> on our cover for the first time. It's it really is the place where. Um, if you want to say something to the American church, we want you to say it at America. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time this afternoon. You've been incredibly generous. And um, I hope this is the first of many conversations that we have on and off the air. Because um, it was uh, it was not only educational, but quite enjoyable. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Voices of Faith. Voices of Faith would like to thank Mike Cleary of TAC Benefits. Linda Rosanio on behalf of Philly Food Rescue, Mike Troy of KTV Benefits, Dr. Jerry Cleary of True North Pediatrics, and our good friends Angelo Valletta and Eustace Mita.
These are not typical or standard times, and the Tack Benefits Organization is not your typical or standard business firm. The company is owned and operated by Michael Cleary, and Michael and his team are not your standard check-the-box, put-in-your-time-and-go-home kind of people. Here's the thing. A different approach creates better outcomes for TAC clients. In fact, as we face some incredible challenges in our world today, TAC has decided to do something incredibly different, the Hometown Heroes Program, for recognition of people doing little things to make a big difference. Keep doing what you do best every day because the folks at TAC want to celebrate you. You're cordially invited to experience the Icona brand in Avalon, Cape May, and Diamond Beach in Wildwood Crest. These three Jersey Shore vacation locations are good medicine for those in need of the right retreat. Book now for summer 2021. Experience beachfront relaxation at a resort that you will absolutely love. Icona is defined by many as amazing. It's time to book your reservation. Go to Icona.com. That's Icona.com. Book your escape now to a place that will feed your soul. Every drive starts somewhere. For First Trust Bank, our drive started in Philadelphia and continues to this day. As Philly's hometown bank for more than 85 years, we know this city's people. We understand their passions, and we work our tails off to help them reach their goals every day. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. Member FDIC. The Louis Valletta Scholarship Fund was established at Temple University in 2015 to honor a special man who understood the power of love and giving back. When family and friends reflect on the life of Louis Valletta, a powerful quote jumps to mind. The greatest good is not to share your riches, but to reveal to others their own. And here we are years later, and Louis continues to have a positive impact on others. Students at Temple University today are discovering their talents and riches due to the generosity of some wonderful people committed to celebrating Lewis and the value of a good education. Angelo Valletta, his brother, was recently quoted as saying, Lewis left an indelible imprint on all those he came in contact with during his life. This scholarship fund keeps that legacy alive and well in his spirit at Temple University, his alma mater. God bless Louis Valletta. And back here on Voices of Faith as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Time to transition now uh, into one of those must-listen segments that we do on a monthly basis. Jimmy Brown goes one-on-one with Archbishop Nelson Press. Jimmy, all yours, sir. Why, thank you. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, Good afternoon, Archbishop. Thank you, Jimmy. Always always a pleasure. Always yeah. great to be here. Thank you, my friend. Well, as we all know, um, Independence Day weekend gives us a, a turning point in our summer journey, uh, time for reflection, let's say. Um, I wanted to really jump into the core of, you know, nothing compares with being here. The concept of asking our, our um, uh, your followers, rather, to, you know, be in that church. There's nothing like it. Speak to that for a minute, please. Well, the reality is that, you know, this past year, this pandemic year, we've all experienced the, um, uh, in a sense, the challenge of isolation. Yes. The challenge of isolation and not being uh, able to be with friends and family and grandchildren and children the way we were before. Uh, I myself, you know, went to see my mom Memorial Day weekend. Um, it had been months and months and months. October wow. was, uh, I went down there and, um, and, and so, so it's, it is, it has been tough and it's also has been tough 
for us Catholics, right? Yes. Because while we're really proud of our parishes and our priests and having stepped up to the mound and trying to be present to their communities virtually, uh, they did a, such a great job being connected, uh, calling them, uh, streaming their masses on Sunday and streaming prayer services and, and reflections. Uh, at the end of the day, when all is said and done, you cannot be Catholic virtually. Right. Any more than you could have Thanksgiving dinner virtually. Yes. You know, people all over the country this year had like virtual Thanksgiving and Christmas gatherings. Yes. Right. And, and so it's better than nothing. But it certainly doesn't take the place of gathering around a table and sinking your teeth into a piece of turkey along with your kids. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, ta- nothing compares to that, right? So that's the theme that uh, the kind of like the word that the phrase that we're putting out there that I just put out there in a pastoral letter to the people of the Church of Philadelphia that, that at the end, nothing compares to like being at church. No doubt. Um, I, you know, I, I was thinking of the concept that, you know, um, our faith fuels our body, not just spiritually. It fuels our body. And uh, being in the Lord's house, talk a little bit about being in the Lord's house, you know, being present, let's say. Well, we are physical beings, right? And, and that's the way we live in the rest of our lives, right? You know who really understand this, like, incredibly? Grandparents. Yeah, right. Right? Grandparents, yes, they had their, their face time with their grandchildren, Right. I was recently at something where a grandparent met their newborn daughter for the first time in a year. Right. And yeah, there were FaceTimes and all that stuff, but nothing compared to the moment in which that grandma picked up that daughter and hugged her. No doubt. Because we're physical people, you know, that's the way God made us. So part of what the same reality that we experience in family, we experience also in church. Yeah, it's and it's it's kind of um, it's wonderful that we're talking on the big holiday weekend, Independence Day, and the the freedoms that we have. And part of our freedom is to be in that church and um, and receive the Holy Eucharist. The, the 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 and sometimes I I'm not sure in my past I completely appreciated um, receiving that Eucharist. Talk a little bit about that. Well, one of the things that we as Americans enjoy, and, it, and it's enshrined uh, in, in, in our Constitution, is, is the right to religious freedom yes. and liberty, right? Yes, sir. That sometimes today gets a little challenged mm-hmm. uh, by the world around us, that uh, our country gives us, everyone, the right to worship God as as we see fit and to live our lives with religious values as, as we understand them to be. And sometimes in today that's been challenged a little bit and, and, uh, and we have to take care of that, you know, to protect that because that is certainly uh, an incredible gift that we possess here in this country. That's not always the case. I mean, my own family left Cuba in a place that, uh, that at a certain point up until like, early nineties, it was illegal to be Catholic. Wow. Right. We don't, we like can't even phantom that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That can't even phantom that. So, so the one, as we celebrate this incredible day of, of the founding of this country, we also, it was also founded on certain incredible principles. Yeah. The other, the other dynamic about that thought process is, you know, our forefathers faced crazy challenges. And I mm-hmm. think in some ways, maybe, younger generations of today 
take some of these freedoms for granted. And there's there's always room to improve. And frankly, I love the way you spoke about how our local parishes rather adapted to the challenges, but now we're asking people to return to that church. Absolutely, right? And to celebrate their faith together as family, as a as a Catholic family, a lot around the table of the Eucharist. Yeah. You cannot receive the Eucharist virtually. Yeah, we can make a spiritual communion, but nothing compares, again, right, with actually receiving the Lord in his body and blood. Nothing compares to that. And it's fascinating to me, the theme, your central theme, the entire time we've been talking all these months together, trust and hope. Trust and hope. Yeah. And here it is. And there's a source of our trust and hope, right? The Lord in, in, in his word, the Lord in the Eucharist, and the strength that we draw from each other in community as a Catholic family. Yep. So nothing compares to being there. I love it. I love it. And I love your analogy about Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's spot on. Well, as always, Archbishop Prez, we appreciate your, your time and your wisdom. Thank um, you. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. Always yeah. a pleasure to be and God bless uh, everyone. I hope everybody has an awesome uh, July the 4th weekend and celebrate the incredible gift that this country is for all of us. We continue now with an inspirational endorsement from Dan Selecki of Givnish Funeral Homes. During the last two months, we've been introduced to two amazing couples, Kristen and Michael Ford and Martha and Paul Sharkey. Each of these individuals have endured the most traumatic situation imaginable, the loss of a child. Individually, they relied on their unwavering faith and prayer to help them through their journey. They accepted their situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at the moment, understanding that nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Imagine if we could all be as consciously connected to our faith in the face of adversity as Martha, Paul, Kristen, and Michael. These individuals fought through adversity, relying on their faith, and now have created foundations to help others facing similar situations. Truly inspirational. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Hearing their stories, our problems don't seem so big, do they? Yet we tend to focus on what we don't have rather than being grateful for what we do. Kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Today, why don't we all agree to make a daily gratitude list? Three things we're grateful for. Trust that God has a plan. We just might not know what it is, but as Archbishop Perez reminds us every month, trust and hope. If we are happy with what we have, we will have plenty to be happy about. Today, I leave you with this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and more importantly, the wisdom to know the difference. As always, stay safe, my friends, and may God bless you all. And good words of inspiration from Dan Selecki there, Jimmy Brown. I'm certainly so glad that you kept Father Matt here for the closing. We don't have a lot of time. Great show filled with a lot of incredible content. 90 seconds till we close, but I know you wanted to bring Father Matt in to speak to the audience one more time. And also, I'll give you an opportunity to recap today. All right. That sounds great, Joe. So, um, Father Matt, I, I already said it, but I have to repeat myself. Man, what a great conversation. Uh, and as you can tell, um, I, I've really enjoyed the whole concept of Jesuit um, learnings. Um, the motto, for the greater glory of God. You know, another thing that I've been around in the Jesuit way, let's say. Can you speak to that, for the greater glory of God? What does that phraseology talk to you about in your heart? Yeah, at the end of the day, what it means is that our, our, our existence begins and ends in God. And um, that 
is what gratitude is. It's to live out of the reality that our existence comes from God and returns to God. And uh, the opposite of that, of course, is grandiosity. So the great prayer that we can always utter is, God, thank you. Make me grateful. Keep me grateful. Amen. Incredible words and a good conversation at Jimmy Brown. 30 seconds, man, for you, and then I'll say goodbye. Well, it's interesting, Joe, um, and I know um, we've said this fairly often. Each show seem to has, seems to have its own personality, its own way, and um, just like uh, all the different uh, flavors at the ice cream store, I don't know which one I love the best, and I'm very grateful, Joe, for you to uh, put this together the way you do because it's certainly having an impact not only on me but our community. That's going to do it for this edition of Voices of Faith here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT on behalf of our gracious guest, Father Matt, and of course, uh, my partner, Jimmy Brown. I'm Joe Kraus. Believe in hope, everyone. See you next time. Voices of Faith takes time out to remember those Philadelphia police officers lost in the line of duty dating all the way back to the 1900s. Officer. Sanford Smith, July 15th, 1950. Lieutenant Daniel McCann, July 30th, 1964. Officer Raymond C. Woodruff, July 25th, 1964. Officer George Jacobs, July 15th, 1966. Officer Richard Raymond, July 28, 1966. Police Officer Ross Brackett, July 15, 1968. Officer Artis Norris, July 11, 1979. Officer Ernest Davis, July 16, 1980. Officer Kevin Williams, July 31st, 1995. Police Officer Brian Lorenzo, July 8th, 2012. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Voices of Faith in collaboration with the Catholic business leaders of the Delaware Valley and the Archbishop of Philadelphia. Supported by American Media. 6ABC, Porsche of the Mainline, LaSalle High School, and First Trust Bank. First Trust Bank invites you to download today's show from YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Simply search Voices of Faith, a Jacob Media, J.P. Brown Communications production. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.